Hello everyone. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you fasted? Last week? Last month? Last year? Never? You know, for most of us, if not all of us, if we do fast, it's for medical purposes, right? We fast before blood work, a solid 12 hours, and it's hard for us. Or the 24 hours for a dreaded colonoscopy. But how many of us have fasted this last year for spiritual purposes. And if you did fast for spiritual reasons, I would venture we did so to get God's attention, to have him look at our plight so he would answer us in our affliction. Our motives were to get something from God instead of giving something to him. I would speculate that there are very few of us who make fasting a regular part of our lives, right? I mean, for the past 10 weeks, we've been covering the spiritual disciplines found in the Sermon on the Mount, and we have already touched on two of those disciplines. Giving, being a generous person, and giving in a manner that reflects one's heart. Giving with the right motives. We give because God is a giver. And two, prayer. The practice of speaking to God and listening to his voice and knowing how important prayer is in our lives, we spent a significant number of weeks delving into the Lord's prayer. Now, these practices, giving and praying, if conducted with the right motives, brings us closer to our Heavenly Father. And now we come to the third discipline. And Jesus covers this in his kingdom sermon, the discipline of fasting. All right, here's the words of Jesus. Listen to him. When you fast. All right, let me say that again. When you fast. Like giving, like prayer, fasting is a spiritual discipline, which is expected of Jesus's followers. Now, for the past 100 years, this has been a spiritual practice which has, has largely been ignored. Jesus addresses fasting as an expected discipline. He believed there was much benefit in this act. So, there must be something for which we are missing, which brings us closer to the Father and connects us to Him during a fast. And yet, we still don't think we need this discipline in our life. I, I, I agree. It's the most difficult of the three disciplines Jesus mentions in his sermon. I get that. To deny oneself food, that which sustains us, that which keeps us going. I mean, without daily sustenance, we would all die. And besides, if you're like me, many of us love our food, right? We do. To deny oneself a food is difficult. It goes against the fabric of my wants and my desires. To be self-controlled, to be disciplined with that which I put in my mouth? Well, no one's going to tell me what to do or when and what I can and cannot eat. The practice of fasting. Do you think we have a total picture of it? All right, Jesus believes there's something in fasting which is spiritual in nature. And it's good for us. And it has a much deeper meaning than just refusing oneself food. Now, before we get into this lesson, I need to make a confession, something I'm not proud of. As your preacher, your teacher, one expected to live out his faith as an example to others, I failed to set a good example of fasting. 
fasting, which increases your faith, draws one closer to the Father, I've rarely been obedient to his word. This is not a practice, a discipline that occurs regularly in my life. In reality, I deny this passage exists, along with the other 40 times it is mentioned in Scripture. And I need to change that. I want to change that. And I want to ask your forgiveness. But what if? What if we had a true picture of fasting's purpose? What if this practice to deny oneself of food brought untold insight and understanding? Would you give it a try? Would you afflict yourself of the need for food for deeper spiritual understanding? Now, I recognize, I recognize there's medical reasons for which one cannot fast. I get that. But for the 95% of us who do not fit into that category, we need to think seriously about fasting as a spiritual discipline. And know this, fasting is multifaceted. It is used to implore God to move, to act. But it is not designed as a spiritual discipline to get our selfish desires met. That's what the Pharisees did. They believed that if they showed God how good they were through fasting, they could get what they wanted. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So let's go back two chapters before Jesus delivers the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus asked John the Baptist to actually immerse him. Now, for Jesus, this is a defining moment in his life. It's a moment of declaration. It's a moment of confirmation. It is a moment when heaven and earth join in perfect union in this act of washing And when Jesus is raised from the watery grave, do you remember what happens? Of course you do. Let's let's read this. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That profound experience, these words spoken from heaven, the Spirit descending upon Jesus leads him into the wilderness for a test, a trial. We talked about it last week. And before his encounter with the devil, what did Jesus do? What did he do? He fasted. For 40 days, Jesus goes without food. 40 days. Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness fasting. Do you know anyone else in Scripture that fasted for 40 days? Now, there's two others in Scripture. Moses fasted on Mount Sinai when he was receiving the law from God. And Elijah fasted for 40 days. All of these were born out of sacred moments. I mean, the baptism of Jesus, Moses receiving the law from God, and Elijah's powerful sacrifice and destruction of the 400 bell prophets, and Jezebel's assassination attempts on his life, for which he questioned his purpose. All three of these facts were triggered from an experience, and it left each of them responding differently. For Moses, it was a sacred moment. Being in the presence of God, he fasted. For Elijah, it was to contemplate his purpose in God's plan. And for Jesus, it was to feed on God's word before he faced the adversary. Okay, I need you to write this down, if you don't mind. 
fasting is often responding to what has happened, contemplating on what God is or is doing in one's life. Okay, so when God gets our attention, we fast. We fast to discern what God is up to. These are crossroads fast, defining moment fasts. I was serving as the community outreach minister for the Memorial Road Church, and I was asked by a congregation in Nashville, Tennessee, to come and be their preacher. That was kind of a tryout thing, and I was happy at Memorial Road. I had an effective ministry there. I've been there for 21 years. It was my home. I mean, why would I want to go to Nashville? But out of curiosity, and since our family had never been to Nashville, we thought we would use this as a free trip to visit the area. We spent an incredible weekend in Nashville at the Hillsborough Congregation. And when I was offered the pulpit position, we came back. And after two days, I called them and I said, I'm not coming. I wasn't going to go. I mean, to mess up my life, I, not going to happen. The entire week after I told them no, I felt this heaviness just weighed up on my shoulders. It went to my gut. I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping. One sleepless night, Deb turns to me and says, are you thinking the same thing I'm thinking? I replied, yeah, yes I am. It was in that moment we decided to move to Nashville. I've never slept better than after making the choice to move. The weight was lifted, it was a defining moment, it was God working on me. My appetite returned and we moved to Nashville. Now let me be upfront. I did not fast. I should have. But I didn't. But the power of God's presence in my life, the Spirit's weight, was enough to disturb my eating. How many of you have had one of those defining moments in your life for which you wonder what God is up to? You, you lose a job unexpectedly. You're diagnosed with cancer. Your spouse walks out on you. Your beloved husband or wife passes away. You're caught in a sin which changes the trajectory of your life or your son or daughter walk away from Jesus. These are defining moments when one becomes aware of God's presence. These are times to fast, and, and many do. These are times to contemplate what God is doing in our lives. And remember, and remember, any discipline and its effectiveness comes down to the motives of one's heart. All right, listen to Scripture. This is, goes back to the Pharisees. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Fasting, brothers and sisters, is about one's heart, one's motives. Prayer is about one's heart. One's motive, giving, is about one's heart, one's motive. Each of these disciplines are expected of Jesus. If Jesus says, when you, 
when you are not these disciplines to be part of our lives. Okay, let me be blunt here. You know what? We all pray, don't we? Help me, help me, help me. Yes, we all have a habit of praying. It's a discipline for which every one of us engage in our motives. Well, only God truly knows our heart. But look at the other ones. Do we give? Do you give? Do we fast? All right, there's another aspect of fasting which I believe is important. See, fasting is often a communal experience for which followers seek God's participation. Fasting is often a time for the congregation to come together for the purpose of asking God to participate with us in a task, a direction, a focus. All right, let me, let me give you an example. Okay, the children of Israel have been in, in captivity for many, many years, and Cyrus, king of Persia, supports the children of Israel returning to Jerusalem to rebuild the house of God, the temple, and he helps pay for it. So they return. This is the first way. They return and build the temple. The temple is completed under King Artaxerxes, who sends Ezra, a scribe, skilled in the law of Moses, to teach the people. And this is what it says. Ezra had a heart to study the law and to do it, teaching its statutes and rules to Israel. And as they are returning, before they get there to Jerusalem, Ezra holds a communal fast, asking God to participate in their trip by protecting them. Listen to this. Then I, Ezra, proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, The hand of our God is for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. Brothers and sisters, there are times when this church should come together and fast. So when's the last time this church fasted? Asking God to join us in our efforts. Okay, in the coming months, I want us to participate in one of these communal fasts, seeking God's participation. Can you think of another time in our history here in this congregation for which a fast is needed? All right, let's continue with the story of Ezra because there's another reason for which Ezra fasts. But okay, before I get to that, I, I need to remind you of something, okay? Just to kind of out here, but our bodies are spiritual, okay? Our bodies are spiritual. It, what we do in our bodies has spiritual implications. We can't separate the two. Romans says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project puts it this way. Not eating for the purpose of responding to God is a divine interruption in one's life. Fasting is a way to declare one's frailty as a human. Brothers and sisters, we have very little control of our lives. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. Fasting reminds us how much we need God to sustain us. Okay, now back from that rabbit trail to Ezra. Fasting is also an opportunity to turn from sinful choices. 
Ezra is part of the second wave of captives that returned to Jerusalem, bringing the temple to the temple vessels, gold and silver. And upon Ezra's arrival, he's told that the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites, have not separated themselves from the people of the land, which are an abomination. For they have taken some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has mixed itself with the peoples of the lands. And in this faithlessness, the hand of the officials and chief men have been foremost. Whenever Ezra is told of the sins of the people, he tears his garment. He tears his cloak. He pulls his hair out of his head and out of his beard. And he sits appalled until the evening sacrifice, fasting all day. All those whose hearts were tender, who trembled at the words of God, gathered around Israel, Ezra and joined him in his fast. Now at the evening sacrifice, Ezra prays and makes confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God. There are more men, more women and children who gather around him and weep bitterly. Brothers and sisters, fasting is an opportunity to declare one's brokenness and sin before God. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Do our sins bother us to the point of fasting? Is there even remorse before God these days? God, I'm sorry I sinned. I, I know your blood cleanses me from all sin, and so thank you. Thank you for that. And then we go on with our lives without a shred of penitence? Where's our heart? What's going on with our motives? When we consciously and willingly sin, should we not rend our hearts with fasting, mourning, and weeping? When is the last time we shed a tear over the condition of our soul? Fasting becomes a move toward repentance, a sacred moment of openness. Brothers and sisters, I clearly have been missing out. We have clearly been missing out. Oh, that we would return to God with fasting, weeping, and mourning. All right, there's one last fast that I want to cover. During this pandemic, we have seen more death than any of us could possibly imagine. Many of those individuals we know, their acquaintances, their friends, their loved ones. It has been tragic watching people die. We've also seen a nation on edge. Events, no, no matter the side you support, which are grievous, and heartbreaking and the only proper response to these unbelievable events is to not eat this is called the tragic calamity fast when the Merle federal building in oklahoma city was bombed our hearts sank on 9 11 when the towers came down our hearts sank when a nation is in turmoil our hearts sink this is why this is why it's difficult to get people to eat following tragic events. Whenever that, whatever that loss may be, our, our souls are in agony. Our bodies hurt. They ache. There's this heaviness for which food is not the appropriate response. So Job, 
He, he puts it this way. And now my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. The night racks my bones and the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. With great force, my garment is disfigured. It binds me about like the collar of my tunic. God has cast me into the mire and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry out to you for help and you did not answer. I stand and you only look at me. Have any of you ever felt like Job? I'm sure there's many of you who have been there. At some point in our lives, we will come to that same conclusion. The days of affliction have taken hold of me. When I think about the story of Daniel, the children of Israel taken into captivity and the tragic calamity that came upon them and their city, their nation, I too would cry out those same words to God. I too would ask the question, why do you not answer? Why are you so far from me? This is how David responds. Then I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I pray to the Lord my God, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. A tragic calamity. A nation had fallen 70 years in captivity. Daniel afflicted himself. He put on sackcloth and wore it as a garment. And then he put ashes on his head, not because he saw himself as righteous, but because he and those who were led into captivity had sinned against God. Daniel recognized this tragic calamity as a heart issue, which goes deep to the core of one's being. Now, let me be bold enough to make another statement. We need to be fasting for our nation. No matter your beliefs, your agenda, your political bent, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled against God. Have we not? In fasting, our prayers, our giving, it's what we give to God. It's a reflection of our heart. God is a witness to our souls. Well, I cannot tell you what is in your heart. God can. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. So, What are you going to do with this information? Will we ignore this expectation of Jesus as we have for the last 100 years? Or is there something we've been missing for which we need to explore and learn the possibility? No, the probability. The probability that we can grow closer to our Heavenly Father if we fast. Jesus thought so. It's a new day for me when it comes to fasting. There's much I need to learn. There's much I need to experience. Anyone willing to share with me your journey? I'd love to hear from you in the coming weeks and months how the discipline of fasting brought you closer to God. 
And I hope we all will obey the words of Jesus when it comes to these disciplines. I hope we will learn the value of fasting. I believe it will teach us much about God and about ourselves. May God be with you and bless you. I love you very much.